Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. Yeah, with myself, Oscar. Today, we're going to be discussing the fallout, of course, from the US Grand Prix at Cota. Of course, uh, a big surprise, already, some big results, of course, which were unfortunately rescinded uh, in the case of Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton, both disqualified. So, we're going to look a little bit more into that. All the F1 news, of course, that's come out in the uh, in the days since, and uh, of course, look ahead to the Mexican GP, which will take place as well at the weekend as uh, we continue our voyage across North America. Uh, but first of all, can I just say, do check out all of our content. Check out our website, everythingf1.com. Do check us out on the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, whatever you want to check us out on. We're doing some great stuff on there. And I do also go across to the raceworks.com. Got a great deal on at the minute, 10% off with our code EverythingF1, and you can get some fantastic merchandise there, all your caps, your t-shirts, all your things for your favourite team ahead of the Mexican GP. But without further ado, let's dive into it and uh, see which of my colleagues are going to be joining me today. First of all, we have Kiara. Kiara, how are you doing today? Still tired, but I'm doing good. For those of you who don't know, Kiara was was racing, I guess. She was in the uh, the pit garage at the weekend. Uh, Kiara, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit more about that? So it was the DTM finale at the Hockenheim Ring, and I haven't seen it so full since the last German Grand Prix. So it was very, very nice to see a lot of people there again watching motorsport. And although my team did not do very well on the last race day, we still had another team that won three times. So I'm happy with that. And we all got pretty wasted. Well, there we go. That's the main thing that uh, you, you celebrated. and of Exactly. Course, uh, going to an iconic F1 track as well. I think I think I speak for everyone that we really miss Germany on the calendar. Some great race at Hockenheim, Nürburgring over the years. And it'd be fantastic if maybe the sport can return there in the near future. As well as that, we have Coops. Coops, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, very well indeed. Yeah, pouring down, unfortunately, yeah, today. Not very good weather, is it? How is it for you up in Scotland? Oh, it's a bit cold, but it's dry. Yeah, I think we've had about three and a half years rain. Well, the east coast of Scotland did in about a day and a half. Uh, yes. So they're still a bit soggy over there, but in the east coast where I'm at, it's been. Of course, yeah. Big, uh, big storm crossing across the UK. I won't turn this into a Met Office broadcast too much, but I uh, hope all you listeners that are affected by the storm are doing okay. And uh, you're being soothed by our lovely voices here at Everything F1 for the podcast. And finally, of course, we have Emma. Emma, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm still a bit on Texas time. So I'm tired. I've been up since like two in the morning today. Just knackered. I can imagine. How do you find those uh, late starts, especially as we had so much racing, of course, at the weekend? Yeah, they're quite hard. But the worst one, I think, was Australia. And I think some of the other ones are going to be quite bad as well, like Brazil and Mexico, to be fair, is going to be bad, too. So We'll see how we get on, but this is the best job in the world working in motorsport, but it does come with having to work with some really dodgy times. 
Yes, yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, we have been very blessed here in the European continent that the times often work out quite well for us here in the UK and across. But of course, as F1 becomes more of a global sport, it means we're waking up a lot earlier and going to bed a lot later here in the UK. So that's a bit unfortunate, but uh, as long as the racing is fantastic, that's the important thing. And uh, for those of you who are watching on Facebook, you'll see that my colleague Emma is wearing the Mercedes top. So I guess it's probably... There it is. Show it off in all its glory. And I guess that means it's a good time to, to come back to Emma, really, and to dissect our first topic of the day, which, of course, is the disqualifications that followed the race. Now, these were quite controversial, of course, but I think everyone's in agreement that it was the right decision. However, I think a lot of people are questioning why it was only Leclerc and Hamilton that got disqualified when realistically, I think we'd probably say their teammates and some others may have been culpable at it also maybe they should have been disqualified so Emma because you've got Mercedes top on what was your thoughts about it first of all well obviously I was really upset I mean I'm really hoping Phil Lewis to get his 200 podiums this year and he's gonna have to get a podium for every race now uh, and it would have been really good if he did get one in Austin but yeah it was it was just the way they went about it only checking random cars I did hear from someone that it was something to do with the smell that comes off the cars which made them want to check their cars in particular um, where it had worn down. So I think I think I agree with everyone else. A bit unhappy, a bit thinking it's maybe a bit unfair that it was those cars that were picked at random and they didn't check any of the other drivers on the podium like Max. Yes, no, uh, 100%. I think um, the FIA maybe does need to uh, to have a little look at, uh, at the systems first. And Coops, you're very knowledgeable, of course, in the, the technical side of the sports. Um, do you think that this means that we do need to revise the sprint weekend strategy because clearly it's having a detrimental effect on the cars. Yeah, well, I mean, you're deep diving into that one, but I mean, the issue with the the the, 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 the skid plates that was too that worn down too far. It's not necessarily the the uh, sprint weekend that caused that. Quote is a very bumpy track anyway, because of where it's how it was designed and it's designed on I think it's a kind of clay very soft foundation which kind of moves when it's colder and warmer and stuff like that so in that respect no because the track characteristics would have caused issues with the bumps and stuff which would have affected the ride height and I think the only the the effect that you have with the sprint weekend is that you've not got that the free practice to then look and go wait a minute actually you've got one free practice if you set it too low you're kind of stuck and then you're you're in a situation where set resetting the height the the right height. Once you hit Park Fermi, you're it's a pitlane start because you have to re, you have to change the setup of your car. Uh, so no, maybe maybe not necessarily that. I mean the the sprint weekend this weekend it highlights that the the sprint race this weekend was boring. There was nothing happened. Uh, and I've since read a, an article that states that Formula One are looking at altering maybe looking at completely redoing the whole weekend because not only was it a, a pretty boring weekend in terms of the sprint race, the ticket sales uh, haven't been what they thought they were for the sprint, which was, well, let's, let's face facts, that's the reason why they're doing it, because they want more money and they want more people in. Uh, so, no, I think there's other reasons to change the sprint, and it's not the the fact that two cars were disqualified because they got the setups wrong isn't part of it, but there's other issues for sprint. Yeah, no, that, that's a, a really interesting viewpoint there, Coops, and, uh, and you make a very good point that uh, yeah, maybe the sprints aren't working out in terms of the uh, the economics of the sport anyway, um, in terms as well as they thought they would. And uh, Kiara, of course, you know, coming to the other side, of course, we've got 
two different sides of disqualifications here with Emma on the Mercedes side. Uh, uh, Chiara, of course, you're a Ferrari fan. A uh, real shame for, for Charles Leclerc. It was a pretty disastrous Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon for the Monogas driver, unfortunately. But who do you portion the blame to? Do you think that this is an issue with, with the lack of practice time that the teams do have on these sprint weekends? Or, or do you think the team simply made a blunder? They, 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 they got it wrong. What do you think? If I'm being honest, I wasn't sure how to feel when I heard about the disqualification because I already knew that Kota was a very bumpy track. So I don't want to put the blame onto the teams, but I have to say that I'm not a fan of the whole sprint weekend because they do need that kind of data, especially on a track like Kota. So I would say at this point, it's just this, it's the sprint because they didn't get enough information on how the setup of the car is. And I think Franz Toast did say something about that as well in Sky Germany, that he was he said they just have to hope for the best and see since it's just one free practice. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, definitely. Once again, yeah, really interesting to, uh, to hear all your viewpoints on that because, yeah, it was, it was a real shame. Of course, I think we all like to see the, uh, the best and the fastest drivers doing the best. And yeah, unfortunately, I feel that some, especially Lewis fans, Charles fans, they, they probably feel a little bit cheated, unfortunately, that, uh, that their, their cars were called out in particular. Coming back to you, Emma, now, I mean, uh, w- what's the solution to this issue? I mean, uh, what do you think the FIA can do about this going into 2024 to make sure this doesn't happen again? Or, or is there an easy fix? I mean, I agree with what Hamish said last week, which was I preferred personally the sprint format they had last year. I think that it was better to have that the fact that the sprint can impact the starting grid on the Sunday. I think that made it a lot more interesting. In terms of the actual wear of the car and stuff like that, it's always going to be like that at Kota. This is why I think they should have checked the other cars because the likelihood is, is it affect the other cars as well because that is just the type of track that it is. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for for that opinion. Honestly, and yeah, I, I I think this is the tricky thing. I think we've discussed in previous podcasts. F one is a very complex complex sport, and it's it's hard to really find the solution. But it certainly seems this current iteration of sprint racing maybe isn't working uh, as well as it as it should, unfortunately. And Coops, coming back to you now, do you think that more cars should have been disqualified? <laughs> disqualified? You mean checked? <laughs> uh, checked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, Martin Brindle did say, I think, on Twitter, X, that if 50% of the random checks, 50% of the cars that were checked failed, then it kind of opens the check to what we might need to check the rest. Now, for anyone out there, the, the biggest anger I have at the minute, the biggest frustration is that a lot of people on social media, or certain people on social media, are not ignoring the fact that Leclerc got cancelled, or cancelled, got um, disqualified. And it's just Hamilton, that this is an FIA thing, and that they were just they just don't want Hamilton to get second and all this stuff, and that's not really what it's about. They picked the cars they picked, and Verstappen passed, and Hamilton didn't. It's not these checks happen at every Grand Prix, and they don't check every car for certain things. They pick four at random, or it's the top three and plus one. I need to go into the technical rules and check uh, how they do the random checks. Every car gets checked for, set, for for certain mandatory things like the fuel sample and another mandatory pass they have put into the regulations and then further checks are done by this random selection. And it's done in every every Grand Prix. 
uh, and it's always random. It's not every race. This is not a conspiracy against Hamilton. This is not a, a way for Verstappen to win more. This is just how it works. The amount of manpower and time to get the results classified would be a lot longer if we have to check every single car for every single nut and bolt. Because because of the complex nature of the sport, and Formula One is not any different from a lot of other sports, like IndyCar and certain things like that. Uh, IndyCar might be slightly less because it's more spec. That there is a there's an element of trust and goodwill within not too much because they know that they push the boundaries, but there has to be that element of self policing. And we've all seen it. The the self policing part is when they put a new part on the car and then another team goes, eh, what's that? And then they refer it to the FIA who then go, oh, Yeah, we'll have a wee look. And Red Bull done, done it to, to McLaren, Mercedes have done it to Red Bull, McLaren. It happens throughout the sport. So there's no conspiracy theory. Uh, there's no issue there but yeah I think there maybe needs to be some sort of tolerance there if, if there's four cars tested and two of them fail maybe they should think it right maybe each one of the two cars from each team let's have a look there needs to be maybe there needs to be a wee bit more of them but something that triggers it uh, because Kota is such a bumpy track that that is probably going to be something that could be borderline uh, and the teams are not uh, Referring back to your earlier point about the, the, the free practice, I'm a wee bit so I'm a wee bit more in the in the, the stance of the teams. It's not the first time we've raced at Kota. Everyone knows Kota's a bumpy track. So do you necessarily need three free practices? And is it really just going out there and hoping? I mean, the amount of data that they've trained is it's not that different from last year. So you've got a comparative year to double check your, your things. It's maybe slightly different, but you can get a baseline and an understanding of where you're going. Red Bull ran their cars this weekend slightly higher because they knew that Cota's bumpy. And Ferrari didn't, and Mercedes didn't get caught out. But it was bumpy. Kind of, do you need to put that into your, into your consideration when you come to Cota? So I'm a wee bit less sympathetic to the to the cause with the amount of data you get these days and the amount of and the amount of data that's gathered over the years and stuff like that, that I think they should have known that, that this could have been a possibility, to be honest. Yeah, you make some some good points there. We, we all know that, uh, especially Ferrari and Mercedes, are trying to claw back that time to Red Bull, as they've been doing all season. And uh, yeah, maybe just pushing the boat out a little bit too much uh, this weekend. And, it, and it's come back to bite them in many ways. So yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. And, and as you say, they, this isn't the first time the teams have driven there. They know the score with Cota by now. So maybe it was just a decision taken for Mercedes and it could have worked out if, if they didn't go for Lewis's car and especially for strategy was on point. He could have won the race. So it, it, mm-hmm. it's fine margins. It really is. And uh, that's that's one of the reasons we love the sport. And also before we jump on quickly, the, the skid plate, I've seen this as well, that Mercedes are cheaters because they, they wore down the skid plate or the skid plate in some sort of way affects performance. The skid plate doesn't affect performance. The skid plate is there to help measure the ride height. And they, they basically set the car too low. And the ride height is what actually affects the performance of the car. The lower you can set your car to the ground with these new ground effects, the cars and the Venturi tunnels on the floor, the more effective they're going to be, the more downforce you're going to get, and then it leads on to faster cars. So the skid plate isn't a performance bit of work. It's actually there as a measuring tool. It's not there as an aerodynamic tool in any sort of way. It's an FIA thing. You need to put that there because we need to measure certain things, and that's how we do it. Formula One, car, Formula One engineers don't want the wooden 
not wooden, but the wooden plank under the car. They don't want that because it's a pain in the ass. They, they'd rather put things in there that help make the car go faster. So, again, it's not something, it's a bit of a, a thing that's flying around Twitter that that's, that's some sort of device to help them. It's not. It's to do with balance and, and measuring certain other things. Now, coming back to you, Kiara, there has been a, a little suggestion about what maybe could spice up the uh, the sprint races today. Um, so an article from Autosport mentioning some slightly radical ideas, I guess you could call them. Now, they talk about the possibility of introducing uh, reverse grids for the top 10, uh, a $1 million prize for the sprint race winner, or even uh, a standalone title, possibly, for the sprint races. Um, uh, do you think that any of those ideas would uh, would inject a bit of life into the into the sprint race weekends that we're having so far? First of all, that $1 million reward is a bit unrealistic in my opinion. But I do think that, well, I preferred the old sprint version as well, but I do think a reverse grid would be interesting. I would like to see what would happen if people from the back are starting at the very, very front. That could be interesting. Or we could just see Max do some overtaking action the whole entire time. But that would be fun to watch too in that sense. But I would prefer the old way. I think I like I liked how that qualifying set the sprint race, the sprint grid. And then whoever wins the sprint gets to start on the Sunday. I think that's the more enjoyable way. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Of course, it's only early stages. This has been raised, but it's going to be interesting. I don't, I think they're going to struggle certainly to get the support. I think Total Wolf has already spoken out against it. And I think this is sometimes the issue with Formula One in that every team needs to be in agreement with these decisions. And uh, often there's quite a big disparity between what the front of the grid and what the back of the grid wants to do. Of course, putting Hamilton, Verstappen in the middle of the pack is going to cause obvious problems. Where someone like maybe Gunter Steiner would, I'm sure, love to see his, his 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 two cars up at the front and maybe having a chance some good points. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Now uh, there has been some debate about whether the Mercedes and Ferrari cars being so low is maybe where this extra performance and their ability to be so close to the Red Bulls came from. Emma, are you worried that these teams might slip back a bit in Mexico? I hope not. I mean, I think for Mercedes, you never know, but I'm hoping that. I think it's more McLaren who's really fighting towards the front. I know that Lewis got that podium and, and Charles as well before it was taken away. But for me, I think it's McLaren's that are, are right at the top with Red Bull. But saying that, I think we all know that Max is probably going to win. And I think for me anyway, with, with the speed that they have in the Red Bull, I, I'm kind of hoping that we'll see Checo up there as well with it being his home race. I think that's what I'm hoping for in Mexico. As a Mercedes fan, obviously, I would love to see Lewis on the podium. I do want him to get those 200 podiums this year. But yeah, for me, I just think that maybe we need to see Checo matching Max a little bit better. Sure. And of course, the disqualifications really throwing the cat amongst the pigeons, both in the Drivers' and Constructors' Championship. How are you feeling about Mercedes' chances in both to hold on to second in the Constructors? But also, do you think Hamilton's chances of overtaking Perez is also over now? Not necessarily. I think if Lewis carries on the way he's going, then they they do have a chance. And I think that Checo, bless him, he just doesn't seem to have the pace in that Red Bull. And I would love to see him do well in Mexico. But even if he did, I'm not sure he would be able to keep it up in Brazil or Abu Dhabi or Las Vegas. I think you never know with him. But with Las Vegas being a street track, maybe maybe there'll be something there. 
because he's so good on on the street tracks. But yeah, I think I think between Lewis and Chaco, I do think it's going to be Lewis on top. I think what's another thing that's quite annoying as well, which I think is worth talking about, is the fact that the disqualification came up so long after the race. The race finished about, I think it was like 10.30ish, and that the news didn't come out till about 1.30. And I don't know if anyone else noticed, but when Lewis posted that picture about being upset about it, it was hours afterwards as if he'd just woken up. So he hadn't even seen the news until he'd woken up. I don't know how long it takes to do these tests, but for me, as someone who works in social media, just sat there waiting, wondering what's happening. It was so long afterwards. They'd already celebrated on the podium. And then it was just last minute, everyone else getting their trophies switched around. I don't know whether that can be improved or not. I know it seems like I'm being really overcritical of the FIA, but I just think that hours after that, is a, everyone's sort of forgotten about it. People have gone to bed, especially in, in the UK. And then you just wake up to this news and I just wish it was a lot closer to the race. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite Kimi Räikkönen handing over trophy to uh, Giancarlo Fisichella, but we were certainly getting close to that time. And you're right, the drivers do deserve to celebrate. And, and in particular, looking a bit further down the grid as well, Logan Sargent, of course, collecting his first point. How great would it have been for him to celebrate in front of the Texan fans in the Williams garage of his team. He posted that photo. I think he might have been on a private jet at the time, maybe traveling or something. I couldn't quite make it out. But I'm sure he would have preferred to celebrate at the grid, even though I'm sure he's very happy. And, and big congratulations to Logan as well for picking up that first championship point. Now, moving on to another issue, which really reared its ugly head in Cota, is track limits. And the search for a solution continues. Coops, what did you think? 35 recorded track limit infringement infringements in the eight corners monitored what can be done about this get the cars to drive within the track <laughs> well that's a simplistic answer but how do we get the drivers to do that without trying to gain that little bit more time around the outside by hitting them with track limit penalties and ruining the races uh i mean it's this is the thing right people go on about track limits and they're like oh it's ruining races but i watch football I'm a commander supporter, so it's barely football. Uh, but the ball, when it goes over the line, it's out. When it's in the line, it's in. Kind of, with, with the advent of VER, it's probably the only rule they haven't been able to turn into a grey thing and cause issue with. But when the full ball goes over the line and you can see that, then it's out. It's a throw-in, a goal kick, whatever. Uh, the, the white lines deny the track. When your car fully goes over that white line, you're off the track. You get a penalty. Deal with it. Drive better. The, the, the top 20 drivers in Formula One, arguably the top 20 drivers or the top 19 drivers in the world, and Logan. And then they should know how to drive a car and they should drive it properly without having to make the white bit paint that wee bit wider so they stay in. They, the FIA are getting better because I think Austria had an obscene amount of track limits and it took hours to sort through them. So they've doubled the amount of people that work in because they've got a kind of VAR situation room now that deal with things as, as it goes live and then things get referred. So they, they ended up doubling the amount of people, which meant that track limits, I think, what one was, it was it Qatar that had quite a few track limits, I can't remember. Uh, but they were dealt with pretty much spot on, boom, 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 done. Uh, but yeah, uh, people want to moan about track limits. Drivers need to learn how to drive the car within the track. Hoops, with that analogy that you're using, what if the football was bigger and the football players were bigger and the pitch was the same size? Because that's what's happening with the cars. They're just bigger, so it's harder to keep within the lines. It's not harder. Adapt. It's the way it works. It's life. I mean, the foot, 
like football pitches have a minimum size and a maximum size. They're not rigid in terms of UEFA or FIFA rules, whatever they're set up and whatever the leagues are under certain rules. You can have your pitch between a certain size to a bigger size. Some teams will have them narrower because they want to play a certain way and they don't want teams to play against them a certain way. So they'll narrow them and make them bigger. So, but football players adapt to that. Or you go to Wembley, it's a foot narrower than the, te- the, the place they play in Hamden or whatever. They still adapt and play and keep the ball within the line. Formula One drivers do the same thing. They need to just adapt and just move on with it. They are supposed to be the best drivers in the world and some of them get 40-odd million pound a year or dollars a year to do it, drive the car within the track or put gravel traps next to the track because in tracks that have gravel traps, mysteriously, they're able to stay within the track limits. Or put walls in. Monaco, maybe I. We're just just driving 24 versions of Monaco. Everyone will stay in the track limits then. Yeah, I think you both make some some very interesting points there. And and uh, Jamie Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, the first person to advocate for VAR. So there we go, football fans, the first time for everything. As long as it's on the lines anyway. Um, the fouls, penalty shout, free kicks, that's a different scenario. But yeah, no, really interesting to say to look at it. Uh, Kiara, let's come to you. What do you think is the solution? Because it seems to be an issue at quite a few races now. These drivers are always trying their luck a bit. And there seems to be a bit of a grey area in terms of what they can and can't do sometimes. I was faced with track limits for my weekend as well. And that was interesting to see because with DTM, you've got the GT3 cars, which are much bigger than the Formula One cars. And um, I have to say Formula Regional was there during that weekend as well. So I was able to kind of like see the difference between the track limits with the GT4 cars, GT3 cars and single seaters. And I have to say that I do agree with groups on this one. I think they just have to be able to drive. (laughs) Look how happy he is. I think they just have to learn to drive within the track limits. This time with DTM, it's a bit harder because they are technically allowed to hit each other. So you can sort of push someone off the side, (laughs) which isn't the case with Formula One. Can we just put that in Formula One and just forget about about track limits? They were were honestly just hitting each other off. Some people got penalized on it depending on how grave the situation was or how dangerous it looked but you are allowed to do that in DTM and with Formula One since it's not allowed you just have to make do with what you have and stay within the lines yeah yeah really interesting to to hear all your opinions about that I I do not have an answer myself unfortunately but uh that that that's why I'm the host. I don't need to have an opinion. I'm simply the judicator. Oh, so he's it's, oh, uh, come on. Oh, he's, he's Switzerland. Switzerland. He's Switzerland. Oh, oh, oh. oh, honestly, neutral parties only. Oh, but, you've got uh, a fancy yeah. knife in your pocket and you get really good chocolate. That's it. <laughs> well, there's certainly worse things to have in the world. So I will <laughs> enjoy An opinion, myself. according to you. <laughs> Uh, but we, yeah, we, we will wait the FIA's response. Stefano Domenicali, time to step up because we want answers. Now, we're going to do uh, a few stories that have emerged since the USGP before we go on to uh, our Mexican GP uh, preview, of course, which is coming up this weekend. First of all, it's a story which uh, we've actually covered on Everything F1. Uh, do check it out on our website now. It's uh, also, of course, linked to yourself on Facebook. The uh, fantastic Hamish Bailey wrote this. And it's basically stating that Christian Horner says Sergio Perez does not need to finish second in the Drivers' Championship to keep his seat. Now, uh, you, of course, said 
that Hamilton, you think he will overtake Perez. I think a lot of people in agreement. Are you surprised that Horner is so supportive, I guess, of Perez, considering he's been nowhere really for, for many races, it seems now? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think a big problem at Red Bull is Christian will say one thing and Helmut will say something else. I don't know whether it's Helmut that said that he needed to be second or not, but it seems like something he would say. But yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think we spoke about this a bit on the last podcast. I could see him being in the seat next year. And then next year, if other cars are a bit more competitive and he's falling behind, then they'll switch him out. But I think they will, they'll keep him until the end of the year and they'll, they'll see how he goes. But I can't see him coming second. And if he just come third, like I said, I do think he will be in the car next year, even if it's just for the first few races, because we all know that Red Bull love to switch the driver out midway through the year. So we'll see how that goes. Mm, I mean, do you think it's a similar situation to, uh, to Bottas and Hamilton and that if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I'm sure Christian doesn't want another Rosberg-Hamilton feud going on next season. I mean, I wouldn't compare Checo to Bottas just because I'm a Bottas fan. I love to win Mercedes. And I think that he was doing a lot better than maybe Checo is. I know that he, I think he's won, what is it, two or three races this year. I don't know if you want to check that one. But yeah, for me, for me, you can't really compare the two. I think, I think they're both good team players. He's playing for Max. And I do think that one of the reasons he is struggling in the car is because it's built for Max. And I, I 100% stand by that. But yeah, I, I don't think as a person, will he continue to want to carry on and do this? I don't know how he feels about it mentally. Maybe he wants to go to a different series where he can be the number one driver. I know that's probably one of the reasons why Bottas has gone to Alfa Romeo and he is the number one driver there. But yeah, we'll see how he goes. I mean, Perez throughout the years, no one really knows where he's going to go next. And I think it was quite a surprise that he went to Red Bull. But yeah, like I said, I do think he'll be there next year. Yeah, really interesting. And uh, just to go back to your point there, uh, yeah, Sergio has indeed won those two races, uh, Saudi Arabia and Azerbaijan, which feels like a lifetime ago yeah. now. I mean, Azerbaijan 30th of April. Yeah, as you say, doing so well. And four podiums in the first five races, it's been very, very inconsistent since then. So interesting to see. But of course, as long as Red Bull are continuing to win both championships, then I guess Christian Horner doesn't have much incentive to, uh, to remove him from his seat. So it looks like Checo is going to remain next year. And of course, Sergio's got a lot of fans as well. So I know that people won't be too disappointed about that. Just maybe a lingering sense that for such a, an amazing car, maybe it could be going to someone who could challenge Verstappen a bit more. But as you say, since the Vettel days, I mean, we've always seen generally one Red Bull driver excel and the other kind of fall by the wayside. It seems very much geared towards Max's driving style. So I guess we can put something onto that. Now, Coops, let's give you a bit more joy. Of course, someone's agreed with you already in this podcast, so it's really going your way. But let's talk about Lando Norris now. I mean, wow. He is truly doing a fantastic driver. First McLaren driver since Jensen Button in 2011 to record four consecutive podiums. Of course, picked up that second place following the disqualification of Lewis Hamilton. Do you think he could pick up his maiden win this year? No. Care to expand? Yes. Unfortunately, Max is just too good. I mean, I will caveat that. I think if he was to win it, it will be because of some sort of shenanigans in front of him. Uh, or something happens to Max where it puts them down the order and they can't get past. Maybe a Singapore situation. But the rest of the tracks that are coming up, they aren't any tracks that Red Bull are worried about. I think they, they always knew they were going to have issues at Singapore and then they just couldn't quite get the, the sweet spot with the car. 
uh, which meant they couldn't do what he normally does. So no, if everything goes the way it's been for most of the season for uh, for Verstappen and Red Bull, then no, I think the best they can hope for is just kind of cement the, the position of constructors and continue to get seconds and get closer to the front. I think I said this in the review podcast for the US Grand Prix there, that I think what we can all hope for as fans for next year is that everybody who's getting closer and being consistent remains that way for next year. Because there is convergence now with the rules and the, the designs and stuff. Everyone went their own way. Some people got it really wrong. Some people like Red Bull got it spawned. So everyone's converging down and it's all about moving on with that uh, and hoping that the Red Bull doesn't come out with a car next year that's in another half second faster than everybody else again, which is a possibility. Uh, so I think it's it's more about cementing the foundation and with McLaren's new wind tunnel and having the, that along the, the period to then redesign it. And we, we've all heard over the year of hiding a lot of really smart people with the restructuring as well. And hopefully when that builds up, I think maybe next year, I think we can see that. Because, I mean, could you imagine if, McLaren had started the season with the car they've got now, where it could have ended up. And so that's what I'm hoping for, that next year is the continuation of the last half of this year and that we do have a challenge. But Mercedes are starting to get a handle on their car now. Ferrari, the car's good. They need to figure out the strategy side of it. And if they don't keep Ferrari in themselves, they could be in there about. But my honest opinion, next year it's Red Bull, McLaren, Mercedes, I think, are the three that are going to be up and in, in amongst it. And it'll be a lot closer. Uh, and I think next year is when they need to have Perez. The, the saving grace, ironically, for Perez to keep his seat this year is the fact that Max Verstappen has been too good, that they don't really need him to help him with the championship because uh, he's that far in front. So they're like, oh, fine. Uh, we're not overly happy, but all right. But next year, if it is as close as it is, then yeah, we'll, we'll, I think there will be changes, as, as Emma said earlier. But yeah, no, I don't. To go back to your point, uh, uh, no, I don't think without help that Norris will be able to take a win this year. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately Lando uh, has very much mirrored your your your, your opinion. Really, yeah, he's been quoted as saying, "None of the remaining tracks, unfortunately, favour the McLaren car." that much in terms of its characteristics so it's going to be hard to achieve it but certainly from a drive perspective if, if anyone does deserve that maiden win it is Lando I mean was there any part of you on Sunday that was thinking maybe we've got a chance here to possibly even take the win from Verstappen yeah for the first 27 laps I thought yay no no and then I was about it yeah I was just please no I knew it was coming and then just when it got to about 26 laps I thought but no nah I mean, let's be honest, we never thought it was going to stay that way. I was just excited it lasted as long as it did. Hey, I did let out a yes when I was walking around the road from my work next to some people passing me in the street when when Mercedes, when Lando got first. Uh, uh, and I didn't have my headphones on either. So I was like, yeah, oh, shit. Oh, well, I was out in public, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably the most excite- excited I got. Uh, so, but no, I didn't think. I did for a second allow me to be a romantic but I knew that it wasn't going to happen. I was kind of hoping to just get a shot of a yellow flag and then Verstappen at the side of the track, and then I would be happy. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, of course, Coops is a McLaren fan, and uh, yeah, what a fantastic turnaround. There we go. He's got the merch on, honestly. Yeah, we've got it all going today. Coops has got his Lando hoodie on. Emma's got the Mercedes top. We're all kitted out. Have you guys been using raceworks.com with that 10% off? 
but oh, yeah, good segue. That is a good one. Oh, hey. <laughs> Thank you very much. But yeah, no, certainly an, a great improvement. I don't think anyone really saw it from McLaren's perspective at the start of the season, that they'd be fine for podiums, even talking about getting that win. So great job from the team, great job from Lando. And of course, great job from Oscar Piastri as well, who's been f- fantastic in his rookie season. Now, Chiara, just a last bit of news um, to bring to you. Now, I don't want to look too far ahead because, of course, the team are going to be covering this in great detail. But, of course, there has been uh, a few announcements regarding the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Now, it uh, sounds like it's going to be a spectacular event. We've got everyone from Steve Aoki to Swedish House Mafia. Cirque du Soleil. I mean, it's almost like there's not a race going on. It's just a big event. Are you excited about it, first of all? I'm very excited, especially since I'm going to be there. So I'm looking forward to it, but I am kind of worried that it's going to be full of tacky things. But then again, it's Las Vegas. It is quite, I don't want to say that it's a tacky place, but it's a big show place. You've got all these show people. It's a whole performance going on. So it was kind of expected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd love to see an Elvis impersonator doing the podium ceremony or something like that, just for just just for shits and gigs if they want to do that. But I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe that's a step too far. I'm not sure Stefano Domenicali would quite like that. Maybe a bit of Pavarotti instead. But and yeah, do do you think though? Of course, there's a huge focus on this Las Vegas Grand Prix. It's going to be a huge spectacle. But are you just a little bit worried that, like Miami, there's going to be so much hype around the event that the racing may not live up to that? Is that your fear or are you feeling optimistic about it? A mix of both because the track is quite interesting in itself. So I expect to see some good racing going on. But if you consider the fact that it's going to be one big concert considering the people that they invited to perform and just Las Vegas in general, maybe that is going to take away from the racing and it's going to be just one big show for people instead of just going there for motorsports like people might just show up because hey it looks like a music festival let's go yeah yeah and no, it's, it's an interesting one and for all those listening possibly our american listeners or, or viewers i'm not trying to be uh, pessimistic I'm not trying to shut down the Las Vegas Grand Prix I'm just simply playing devil's advocate and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic event but yeah I think as you say what we need to remember is that we're there for the racing and what I also like to see in Formula One considering it is such a highly technical and expensive sport is accessibility and unfortunately looking at the details in terms of costs pricing hotels I don't think Las Vegas is going to be a Grand Prix for everyone uh, which may result in the fan base being a little bit vanilla, shall we say, not quite the hardcore fan base that we might see in other parts. But I'm going to reserve judgment. I don't want to completely tear down Las Vegas yet. And uh, I look forward to seeing the cars going down the strip, of course. Now, uh, let's just have a quick look to the weekend. Of course, guys, we have a, a consecutive race weekend. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. We're off to Mexico. Now, we have touched upon it a little bit, of course, the autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. Now, last year, of course, Verstappen pretty much cruised to victory, to be fair. He did finish quite far ahead of Hamilton with home hero Sergio Perez getting third place as well. And there were, of course, some, some lovely scenes there on the podium and everything, which we got to witness. Emma, first of all, how do you feel about Mexico? Are you, are you a fan of the track? I am a fan of the track. I think it's a I think it's a good track. I love the part where they, they built the stadium around the track or they built the track into the stadium, I should say. Yeah, I think it's a, an interesting track. It's fascinating. And I think 
and this is such a graphic designer thing to say, but I love the fact that they paint it, that it's always themed, especially that center one that they had. And I think they are repainting it this year because I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but on their social media, they haven't shown an actual picture of the track for a while. I don't know how true that is, but I, I always love looking at that. And it is, it's just a good racing track in general. I do think Max will win, but it will be, because this is a track that he's good at, but it will be good to see Checo up there as well. And everyone loves to see Checo's dad as well. He's always at the Mexican Grand Prix and you can't not love Papa Checo. So yeah, I'll be excited to see him there. <laughs> Of course, yeah, he's a, yeah a very fervent supporter of his son. Yeah, seems like a great person and, and a great father. So yeah, I'm sure we're all excited to see it. And a nice touch there, of course, you mentioning about the paint job. Of course, Emma is is our very talented graphic designer, and those little touches really stand out to us Efron fans and, and make it that little bit special when they go there. So that's always a nice touch. Emma, who do you think is going to be second and third out of interest? Uh, I'd love to see Checo on the podium. I'm going to say. I'm going to say second for him and Lewis as well in third spot. I think people forget, especially with Checo maybe not having the best year, that he is still Mexico's best driver they've ever had. So best Formula One driver anyway. So this is still a really, really special event in Mexico for the people. And they still look up, look up to Checo for bringing their country into this. But yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I'm sure that Sergio Perez is inspiring Mexican boys and girls all over the country to get into motorsport. And, you know, that's that's what we love to see. We want to see the next Perez coming in. But yeah, of course, he's, he's we're quite critical of Perez, understandably. But do forget, he's done a great job. And we always remember he was literally going out of the sport a few years ago and then pulled off that blinding victory and got the Red Bull seat. So, yeah, kudos to, to Sergio. And I think we all do wish him well. Of course, in the weekend. Yes, uh, good point. I said boys and girls there. Maybe not girls as well. Uh, what, what makes you think that of interest, Emma? So Emma's made a little, a little comment there. If you don't mind me calling you out. What makes you say that? Uh, maybe just a little interview that Chaco had where he just maybe slightly alluded that maybe women should stay in the kitchen and look after oh, families I remember rather that. than racing. Oh, dear. I remember I wasn't that. aware of that. <laughs> that's that's a real thing. Sorry, Kiara. What were you? What were you going to say? What was your? It, it was. A, I think it was an old video that popped up recently on TikTok again or on Instagram with Checo's interview way back then. It's quite an old interview, wasn't it? Um, but he did say that girls should not be on the racetrack and that they should just cook. <laughs> and that was kind of surprising to see. Kind of shocked the fan base again since that resurfaced. But yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, so that's, that's a bit of a shame that. And I'll be honest, I hadn't seen that particular interview from uh, from. Czech, <laughs> no wonder you were confused that me just randomly <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I was going to say, for those who are listening on Spotify in the future or maybe following on Facebook, yeah, Emma just dropped me a little a little personal message saying, maybe not girls, when I said that uh, <laughs> Checo wants to inspire the boys and girls of the future. The boys. Well, it was a while ago. Maybe he has. Exactly. I think he would have changed. He's probably from a really traditional Mexican family. and it, you, you learn and you educate yourself. And let's hope that's what Checo did. Of course. I mean... Unfortunately, these archaic views, they were a bit more common in the past. I think those views are changing, particularly in, in motorsports. Great to see the F1 Academy, of course, get off to a, have a fantastic race, of course, in, in Austin as well. And yeah, hopefully Checo has changed his views on that. Because um, yeah, I mean, come on, come on, guys, we got to change. Um, can't be lazy South Americans forever. <laughs> 
that's terrible well god i'm kidding that was a dr marco quote by the way that's his boss who said that not me i was quoting so apologies there and uh, let's hope that perez is indeed inspiring the girls and boys all around the world now let's go to you coop secondly what's your thoughts on mexico Uh, are you a fan of the race i do like the track yeah it's it's a nice track i do quite like the the kind of base, the, the baseball stadium section that gets quite slow and allows the fans just before we go to the main street. Yeah, there's something quite unique about Mexico in general. Uh, the circuit's quite unique. I, I quite like the, the fans are just extremely passionate about it. And I've always said this, I just want to see Perez win because I just want to see how mental the fans will go when it happens. Uh, that's it. I don't care how he wins. I don't care what he does. I just want to see him pass them first. And I just want to, I just want to just sit there and just watch as Mexico City implodes. Mexico implodes. And I I just want to see what Papa Papa Perez would do. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you see his son cross the line first. I think it would be amazing. But yeah, I do like the track. It's a nice track. And part of the reason why I like it when I used to play the Formula One games in the PlayStation, I stopped doing it because I was awful. It was probably one of the only tracks I was relatively decent at. So I so I quite liked it when I came up. But yeah. Yeah, it's a nice track. I quite like it. Amazing. Yeah, you make a lovely point there. Now, I could see the the kind of celebrations being on a similar level to a Brazilian driver winning in Sao Paulo. The place is just going to erupt with colour and I'm sure they'll be celebrating long into the night. And uh, can you give us a quick top three prediction as well, please? Well, unlike Emma, I'm going to have a McLaren in the top three. So I, I, I'm going to go with my heart. I, I try not to and I usually wind up teller for this. So I'm going to go with Perez first. Uh, I'm going to go with Verstappen second. He's not going to allow Perez to win the race, but I'm doing it anyway. And then I'm going to go with Lando and third. Well, I think that would be uh, a lovely podium, honestly. I think I think we'd all like to see that Perez to, of course, get first. And, of course, Lando as well to continue his fantastic run of form, pick up another podium consecutively for the McLaren team. So, yeah, we'll, we'll remains to be seen, but it's going to be a great race. Kiara, lastly, to come to you, I imagine I'm going to ask you by now, what's your thoughts on the Mexico Grand Prix? Do you like it? I enjoy it very much. And that's also because I like the feeling that the Mexican fans do bring out. I think with Mexico, it's the same thing with my upbringing, where if someone from your country, even if they're just partially Mexican... They celebrate you no matter what you do. You could paint a picture and they're going to be like, yes, Mexican paints a picture. Let's go. Let's celebrate him. And I love that so much. And I also enjoy watching Checo's father because he's genuinely just a happy person no matter what his son does. He's just there and living in the moment. And yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens. Brilliant. And and who do you think your top three is going to be? Who do you think is going to come oh on my top? Goodness. Well, delusional me. Let's start with delusional me would say that I will finally get my Ferrari double podium because I said this last week as well and that did not happen. And Max will win. But my actual podium is going to be Max. I do think Checo is going to come in second, hopefully for him. And third, I think is going to Lando as well. Interesting. Okay. So going a, a pretty similar route to, uh, to Coops there with your prediction. And and yeah, I think that that is the realistic thought process. I've done quite a few of these now in the season, race reviews, race previews. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm kind of out of surprises, really. I think a lot of us do think Verstappen's going to win 
maybe even every race of the season remaining. But uh, at the same time, of course, Red Bull have clearly um, held back on their development now for the rest of the season, understandably. And uh, while this is an ominous sign for 2024, maybe it means we're going to get a few different podiums for the rest of the season. It uh, all remains to be seen. And uh, the final question to ask the three of you, because uh, we always like ending on a nice surprise or a shock. Who do you think is going to be the shock of the weekend or maybe the big surprise? What's, what's going to get our eyes bulging at the screens? Kiara, let's start with you. Hmm. I was thinking about this because I was about to ask for bold predictions. <laughs> maybe Logan Sargent with his new motivation after getting that point that he's going to move up a bit and do really well. Maybe top proper top 10 this time instead of just getting in by default. Mm, an interesting thought. And I'm sure that Logan would would love to have a legitimate P10, not to, to, to take the shine off that Austin GP result. But of course, it always feels better when you come home in the checkered flag in the top 10. So that'll be very interesting to see if Logan maybe has this little bounce in the last bit of the season to, uh, to carry him into next year. Coops, what about you? What's your bold prediction? Mm, okay, I'll just go with Daniel Ricciardo gets into Q2. Let's go with that. Okay, fairly safe, but uh, at the same time, well, yeah, it would be great to see Danny Rick recovered after that injury. And then, yeah, I'm sure he'd like to, to maybe get a couple more points at the end of the season to really assert his dominance on the team going into next year at Alpha Towery. And uh, Emma, let's finish off with you. What is your bold prediction for Mexico? I'm going to say that I think two teammates are going to clash with each other, whether it's one of them blocking each other in qualifying or whether it's on contact, it's on track contact especially with it happening with McLaren a few races ago and then it happening with Mercedes. I could see it being Fernando and Lance Stroll or maybe maybe the McLaren boys again. I'd love to see Oscar do well this race just because he, he didn't finish the last race. But yeah, I just feel like there's going to be contact somewhere between two teammates. Interesting. I think that would be quite an interesting way to end the season, seeing Stroll and Alonso coming to blows after that kind of almost kind of like older brother, little brother kind of vibe that was going on at the start of the season. And Stroll has a face like thunder at the minute in every press conference I see. Not a huge fan of his attitude in that, but hey ho, I guess he can do as he pleases. And I'm sure he hopes that he will have a resurgence in form as well. So thank you very much to my colleagues for joining me uh, in this week's podcast. Yeah, it's been great to recap, of course, a very eventful both race and, of course, post-race events in the USGP. And of course, do keep an eye out for us for the Mexico GP content. We're going to be coming to you with everything from practice roundups to quality qualifying roundups and of course the race report it's going to be a great race and uh, remember do check out all of our content across our sites or on all the socials facebook tiktok x once again check us out and our website and i uh, do go to the raceworks as well.com uh, the raceworks.com that is that's our sponsor and you will get a discount on some lovely f1 merchandise but for now um, thank you very much to emma for taking part thank you for having me and for coops thank you very much sir thank you and lastly, Kiara, thank you very much for joining. Thank you. This has been the Everything F1 podcast. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.